Today's a special Sunday. There are a number of things going on. At the end of the service, we'll have a congregational meeting. Our Constitution requires that for the election of the officers that have been nominated for the church. We have an announcement about a financial thing we've been working on for a number of years that some of you won't care a thing about, but it's just something we need to do, so bear with us. We have a baby dedication. We have all kinds of stuff today, and we're going to finish the series on the priesthood of believers. Um, if you've not been here, one of the foundational thoughts that came out of Martin Luther in the Reformation was in reaction to the old, the the priesthood of the Roman Catholicism, where there, it, it was required that in order for someone to pray to God, to, to take communion, to do so many aspects of worship, it had to be done through a priest. Martin Luther in the, in the, in the Reformation said, uh, we already have a great high priest, and his name is Jesus. And in light of the fact that he is superior to all those human priests, we don't need to fall back into having priests. Uh, in fact, he looked at multiple passages of Scripture, which we tried to look at in the last two sermons, that, that showed that we are a kingdom of priests. We have direct access to God. We are called on to make new sacrifices that are different from the blood sacrifices of the Old Testament. And, and it became one of the great freeing ideas of the Reformation. So that in the Protestant church today, although there are different applications of it and different denominations, generally speaking, there is this understanding that every believer has free access to God. Every believer prays freely to God without an intermediary, but the Lord High Priest Himself, Jesus. And, and I believe that the, that that idea so revolutionary, it revolutionized Western thought that that's part of how democracy came about. Suddenly, the idea that you didn't have to be a nobleman, you didn't have to be a clergyman, you didn't have to be a, a, a regal person, just all of us can experience the love of Christ and the freedom to walk with Christ. That idea was massive and I think brought changes that we are still living through as, as the idea of equality and what that means sifts through our cultures. Massive thought. And then we, we talked about how because of that, we, we have the freedom to approach God boldly. We, we have no need of a priest, therefore we can pray with a freedom and a boldness that, that uh, the New Testament says, therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness. We, we, each one of us can, in our prayers, go to God knowing that He gratefully hears us individually and that, that He, if I can use a long word for me, He condescends to our thinking and our language. We don't have to use big theological words. He, he, he knows our hearts. And in fact, I think he hears, and according to Romans 8, through the work of the Holy Spirit, he hears the groanings of our heart in ways that we don't even understand. Because now our high priest is the Lord Jesus, and, and he and the Holy Spirit intercede for us. We have an intercession with him that's a whole different thing than in the Old Testament when they had to go to the temple or the tabernacle and work through the intermediary work of the priest. Huge idea that we take for granted and sadly we don't take advantage of enough. We, we pray with attentiveness as though we somehow don't deserve to be heard and certainly we don't but the reality is that when we pray 
God looks at Jesus' righteousness and hears us as though Jesus is praying. What an incredible idea. And then next week in the idea of the priesthood of we believer, we looked at the New Testament's use of the idea of sacrifice that all believers make. The first one, the overarching one, is a verse that many of you memorize, Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The Apostle Paul is saying, we no longer take goats and rams and sheep and doves and grain as an offering. Now we give ourselves to God. And He receives us as if we're blameless. He receives us as if we're perfect. Because the once... The one perfect sacrifice has been made, and that's Jesus himself. So that that he can receive us directly without any further blood spilt. We have the freedom to give ourselves to God, and he embraces that, that gift, which is what a sacrifice is, with joy because Jesus has paid the price. It's a revolutionary idea, and yet the New Testament continues that language. It says that we give the sacrifice of praise. Our our praise is a gift to God, so that when we worship, when we sing, no matter how badly we do it, it is, is, I'm not thinking of any of you in particular, no one's face, but every once in a while someone said, you were looking at me when you said that. I'm not that smart, and I took off my glasses. Trust me, I'm just saying, generally speaking, that, that he embraces our praise as a gift. What an idea. Just as when our children speak to us positively, it means so much to us. We as God's children, when we praise him, he receives that with great joy. He calls us to give other gifts, other sacrifices to him. Our, our possessions are a gift, a sacrifice to him. And when we give to the work of the Lord, it is a part of that sacrifice to him. When we do good in his name, that's a part of our sacrifice to him. In other words, the New Testament says, as, as priests, we have the freedom to work directly with God and giving him gifts which he receives just as completely as he did the Old Testament sacrifices when the high priest stepped into the Holy of Holies. Today, we're going to push at the envelope a little bit. You're going to have to work with me a little bit. We're turning to the book of Malachi. I told one of the guys on staff, I was going to the book of Malachi. He said, oh, I didn't see you going there in this series. That didn't sound good. Let's see how it goes. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. As I studied through this idea of the priesthood of believers, one thing that kept coming back to me is is what God said to the Old Testament priests. How did he judge their work? And perhaps that is a reflection on how he looks at us. So we're going to look at what's called the second oracle of the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It's the Italian prophet, Malachi. Um, And... and, um, I'm glad you liked it. I always did. Um, We're going to begin with verse 6 of chapter 1. Malachi. So go to Matthew and take a left, and you're in Malachi. Verse 6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? 
God answers, you place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. Because when you bring blind animals for a sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? In the second oracle of the book of Malachi, the the prophet turns his attention to the priests. And he says, you've shown contempt for me. You've shown contempt for me. And the, the priests say, oh, Lord, how would we do that? We dress up. We do our jobs. And he says, because you, you do it in a way that's disgraceful. When you bring sacrifices, you bring not what the Bible requires, which is a, a pure sacrifice, a, a a lamb without spot or blemish, an animal with no faults or failures. Instead, you, you bring disabled animals. You bring animals that were going to die anyway so that they cost nothing. You, you've shown contempt for me. And then he drives home the point. You know what he says? Would you do that for your father? Is this kind of gift you would give your boss? Is this the quality of service that you would give to the governor, the one who rules you on behalf of Rome? See, what, what he does is he, he calls their hand. They say, oh, Lord, we're serving you. We're, going, we're doing what we're supposed to do. He says, yeah, you're going through the motions, but let's, let's, let's compare how you're serving me to how you serve other authorities in your life. Let's compare how you give to me as opposed to how you give to other significant folks in your life. And he says, you give me stuff you would never offer to anyone else. You, you bring animals that are blind and crippled, you, you, that they're going to die anyway. There's no cost to that. You show disrespect to me. You show contempt to me in the nature of the way you serve me. And I think the application to us is that we are priests. We represent God. We serve God. And and as we've pointed out a couple of weeks, we we give sacrifices, gifts to God. Our, Our lives, our service, our words, our possessions. And I think Malachi would say to us, Do you give God the same quality you give other things you love? When you give God your time, is it always just the leftover time? The insignificant time? When when you give God your praise, is it always just the convenient praise? When you give God a gift of any kind, is it just the leftover you were going to get rid of anyway? Just doesn't matter if... If that's the case, do you think God doesn't notice? Incredibly convicting. 
I'll tell you, a number of years ago when I worked for the seminary in nonprofit, more corporate nonprofit structure, one of the things we would struggle with is we'd get responses from donors. I handled donor correspondence for a number of years, and they'd say, well, why do you spend that money on that? Why do you? And we, we came up with a phrase, well, you know it's good enough for the Lord's work. Idea being if, if it's for God's work, we can just do a rotten job, right? Because it's nonprofit, we just, let's just do it halfway. You know, and, and yet, when, when we think of things that we really love, we always want to give them the best, right? It's Christmas. We're giving gifts. You sit around the tree. You give gifts to your family and give them used stuff. You may do it out of conviction. There, there are legitimate reasons to de-emphasize gift-giving at Christmas. I'm not talking about that. But wouldn't you say that, generally speaking, the people that mean most to you, the people you love the most, you, you give the most thought to the kind of gift you're going to give them and maybe even spend the most money that you're going to give them? Why? Because it's a reflection of your love. And God is saying to the priest, and I think ultimately to us, when you... When your gifts to me are halfway, God says, I see your heart. And your love is only halfway. Because we're priests. We, we can I say it this way? We matter. What we give to God matters. That's part of what the old priesthood of the believer says, is all of us matter. There are no common people. We're all significant. We all represent God to the world, and, and what we do is, is a reflection of the nature of who God is. We all matter, and, and Malachi is saying when, when you do things in a sorry way, it kind of implies God doesn't matter. I mean, seriously, when, when we give of our time, do we treat serving God as insignificant? When we give of our possessions, do we treat that part that we set aside for Him as the leftovers? I know this is convicting, but it's, it, it's, it's meant to be. Because after all, all God gave us was his son. So the, the first aspect of this is is your sacrifice good enough for others that matter to you? Continuing on in Malachi 1 beginning in verse 10. Oh that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, said the Lord Almighty. I will accept no offering from your hands. Unbelievable. You catch what he just said? I wish you'd just lock the temple. Just, just stop acting like you're worshiping me. I, I wish you'd stop giving sacrifices that are halfway. I, I wish you'd stop going through the motions as if I didn't matter. I wish you'd just stop. Verse 11, my name will be great among the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. 
But you profane my name by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food it's contemptible. And you say, what a burden. Serving God is a pain, and, it's, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured and crippled, diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Now I'm going to make you work on this paragraph. On one level, the theme continues. You bring half-baked sacrifices, half-baked service, and God says, I'll judge that. But I want you to notice something else that's in this paragraph. On three different cases, God says, my reputation before the nation, the nations matter. Why is he saying that? When we think of Israel, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and we think of why God chose them. The first thing we all think of is because it was from Israel that came Jesus. He, he formed Israel to bless the world through Jesus who would bring salvation to all mankind. And that's certainly true. But, but we limit the Old Testament. We've, we see only that. May I take you quickly through a, a three passages from the Old Testament? In the first mention of the Abrahamic covenant, when God goes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you into a mighty, mighty nation, in verse 3 of chapter 12 of Genesis, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Part of the point of the nation of Israel was not just that ultimately all peoples would be blessed through Jesus. God intended for the nation of Israel to be a blessing to the world around them throughout its history. Let me show you why I say that. Well, first, let me point out that Israel also is a kingdom of priests, just as Peter says that we are. Exodus 19.5, right in the context of the Ten Commandments, God said, if you obey me and fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words you are to speak to Israel. You are to represent me in all of the world. Finally, Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses says, see, I have taught you decrees and laws of the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you're entering to take possession of it. I've given you my law so that you obey it as you take the land. Verse 6 of chapter 4, observe the laws carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations and, and who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this is a great nation as wise and understanding people. Where am I going? One aspect of the priesthood is the Old Testament priests represented God to the people. When, when an, a typical Israeli asked about God, one of the things he would look to is the priest to see what that taught about who God is. But there's another theme in the Old Testament, and that is that the nation of Israel was intended by God to represent God to all the peoples around them. 
That's why even the nation of Israel is called a kingdom of priests because the people of, Israel, of the world around them would look to Israel to understand who their God was. They represent God to the world around them. You with me? Praise Jesus. Um, and in Malachi, the second paragraph, he says to the priests, your disrespect of me goes against my intention to be regarded by the peoples of the world around you. You have represented me poorly. God says, I will one day be celebrated by the nations for who I am. But because you sniff at me with contempt, because you show a lack of true devotion and love, because you act as though serving me is just good enough for God's work, you harm my reputation in the world. Men and women, do you realize that... Because of the priesthood of believer, we as the body of Christ and we individually represent God to the world around us. And God cares deeply about his reputation. One of the most sacred things we all do as we go through life, whether it's going to work or going to the neighborhood, going into our homes, going into all the constructs of our life, because we bear the name of Jesus, we represent him into the world. And God's intention is that, that we reflect the love and mercy and grace and truth of God in such a way that the, the reputation of the God of the Bible is enhanced. And God is saying to the priest of the time of Malachi, by your disdain for me, you go against my desire to be honored by the nations. And in fact, the nations will not turn to me because of what they've seen in you. You bear a huge responsibility in speaking for God, living for God, representing God, and, and yet you, you treat it as though it's insignificant and so... Why would the world not respond to you? You know, it begs the question, how, how do we in the church, how do we at Grace Bible Church, we Christians in the city of Dallas, we Christians in our neighborhood, how do we, how do we represent our God? When they see us, do they see the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit, one description of it, the love and mercy and grace and truth and right? Do they see those aspects of who God is so that when they think of God, they think of that? That's what Malachi is saying to the priests, and I, I think that's what Malachi is saying to you and me. So first of all, he says... Is what you give good enough? Secondly, does it enhance the reputation of God? And thirdly, does it communicate His truth? Chapter 2. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you don't listen and you don't 
set your hearts to honor my name, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Notice the issue is the heart. It's not the actions. Surely, you've been at Grace Bible Church to know, long enough to know that God is not fooled by our actions. God always looks at the heart. The priests were doing their functions. They were doing their duties, but their hearts were far from him. Verse 3, because of you I will rebuke your descendants, and I will spread on your faces the offal, the refuse from the sacrifices, and you will be carried off with them. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, said the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with Levi, a covenant of life and peace in making you priests. And I gave them to him, and this called for reverence. And he revered me, and he stood in awe of my name. True instructions were in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Notice the emphasis on truth. He spoke of me honestly, and because of that, many turned away from sin. Because the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned away from the evil way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, so I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in, in matters of the law. You've not represented me well. You've not reflected the truth. See, one of the fundamental ideas, the priesthood of the believer, is that just as the priest represented God to the people of Israel, the people of Israel represented God to the world around them. And because we are a kingdom of priests, we represent God to the world around us, and when we represent Him badly, when, when our service is halfway and indignant, when, when we aren't committed to the truth, when, when, when we show the world less of who He is than He deserves. We not just embarrass ourselves, we, we harm what people think of God. When we're, our language, when our actions, when our lives aren't gracious and truthful and loving and, and just, when, when, we, when we deny the character of God and the way we live, when that is what we give Him, we fail in our representation of Him. And just as in the case of the Old Testament priests, God cares about those things. He cares about it with you and me. We have an incredible privilege to be a, a priestly people that represents God but is not one without responsibility because the way we do it reflects upon God Himself. Let me close with Romans 15. Verse 14, Paul says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I've written you quite boldly on some points as to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. With this priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by His Holy Spirit. 
The Apostle Paul says, when, when I do what I'm called to do and represent God, it's for the purpose of the Gentiles, the world around us, to embrace this message themselves. Because as he says in another place, how will they hear if there's not someone saying it? Men and women, we don't dress funny as priests. Well, some of us dress funny, but that's another issue. Um, we don't wear big hats. We don't, we, don't, we don't have the responsibilities of sacrifice of the Old Testament priesthood, but we just as much represent the God of the Bible to the world around us. And Malachi would say, it matters. It matters. Because the world around us thinks of what we show when they think of God. Please pray with me. Father, we confess that the burden of this responsibility is too great for us. We confess that we struggle to do it well. But Lord, we ask that you would make us so in love with you because of what you did on the cross that we would gratefully serve you in a way that brought you glory, that we would represent you well in the world so that people would rise up and embrace you. In Jesus' name, amen.